0: Hello, and welcome to Human Is My Label. This is your host, Emily Curry. I am a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sibling, and a former athlete. I work full-time. I am the founder of Rapid, a nonprofit organization, and I'm legally blind. I am so excited about opening the conversation about everything equity. We will primarily be talking about disability, as that is my lived experience, and it is often the minority left out of the equity conversation. I am passionate about equity for all identities, as I have family members from the communities of color, LGBTQIA, disabilities, and we span all ages. It is my goal to normalize these conversations, get people comfortable with the uncomfortable, and include everyone. After all, we are all human. Hello, hello, and happy Monday once again. Here we are. Thank you all for joining me. I am excited to talk about service animals today. I hope you all are at home and well and safe and taking care of your families, friends, loved ones, and doing your best in the times we're in. So one of the most common questions I get is about Bevy, my service dog, my guide dog. And so I wanted to take an episode today to really talk about her, talk about some of the rules, educate all of you about service animals and assistance animals and guide dogs and all of those good things. So we are going to focus on that today and I hope you enjoy this episode. So I got Bevy about a year and a half ago uh, in November of 2019. And that is because my vision had got to the point where I needed more help. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I have a progressive eye disease called macular degeneration. And so my vision has been progressing since I was a little kid. And with my particular disease, the central vision is the part that's kind of going blank. And no, it doesn't look like a black hole or anything like that, but things just disappear in that space. And so, the other piece to my vision is I also have astigmatism, just like any quote unquote normal person, and so that complicates things a little bit. So I do wear either glasses or contacts, and I that only makes things a little bit crisper, but I really can't see any further. Um, out in the distance and it does not improve that hole, like I said, in the central vision. And so it just makes things a little bit more clear in the places I can see. So with that, I'm not sure if it's the disease or the stigmatism that is that has caused my depth perception to significantly decrease in the last few years. And that is why I got Bevy um, because stairs, curbs, hills, any elevation changes, were getting very dangerous for me. I couldn't tell, um, when, where the edges of steps and stairs and, uh, curbs were. And so I hadn't fallen yet, like some of my, um, classmates had actually downstairs, but I was, I was close. And there's a lot of scary moments, and I noticed myself hesitating a lot more when I assumed there was a stair or a curb or an elevation change. And so, my husband started to notice and started talking to me about it and said, Maybe, maybe you really do need to either use your cane more than you do, or you need we need to talk about something else. And so that's where I came to it again. Um, in a lot of the episodes I talk about acceptance. And that was a big step for me, is like, if I get a dog, I'm always gonna be outed, if you will. And so it was a big stage of acceptance for me. And I'm gonna have a interview on uh, in a few episodes with a classmate of mine, and she had to go through a very similar experience. So, stay tuned for that. Okay, so there are many different types of service animals. Um, reasons for different service animals, and some of those are autism assistance dogs. There's therapy dogs. There's emotional support dogs, or animals. I should say all these animals. We have comfort animals. We have companion animals, and crime animals. And all of these different types of service animals, if you will, all have different legal rights. And so if you're interested in all the different types, I'm not gonna go through all that here today, but many of them have public access rights and many of them don't, not many of them, a few of them have public access rights, and many of them don't have public access rights. So as a, uh, for a guide dog like Bevy, she does have public access rights. And one thing I want to stress with this is she is a reasonable accommodation. Reasonable accommodation for me to enter public spaces safely. And so she is trained to be a reasonable accommodation for me. And so I want you to keep, keep that in mind as I keep going. Okay, so I'm going to jump into some of the fun stuff because all the teaching stuff you guys can look up. <laughs> um, so I get a ton of questions um, in my inbox on a regular and then just from people who know me about what can I can and can't I do when Bevy's with you, when I know Bevy, et cetera, et cetera. So here is kind of um, just some common questions I get about Bevy. So can I pet a service animal? That's number one. Everybody wants to, especially in here in Portland. We are obviously a dog city. Um, and so here's the deal. When Bevy or any service animal is working, and for Bevy, that means when she is in her harness, her leather harness, if you've seen them. Some blind people use other types of harnesses, but typically you'll see a, a brown leather or something like that. that for guide dogs. This is specifically for guide dogs. And so when Bevy is in her harness, she is working. When Bevy comes home, yes, she gets to be a dog. She gets to run around. She gets to play with toys. She gets to go outside. She's not working when I'm at home because I can function in my home without Bevy. Um, And so when that harness is on, the biggest thing about petting a service animal is when they are working, they need to be focused on keeping their owner safe. And so when she's in harness, that means to her, that's her signal to pay attention, stay in line, don't act crazy, don't be running around, don't be, you know, looking for toys. She needs to be focused. And part of that is not being distracted by people, not being distracted by dogs, not being distracted by food. So if I allow people to pet Bevy while we are working she's like every other dog. She loves attention. She loves to be pet. She loves to, you know, throw the ball and have fun. She loves to chew on bones. She loves all that stuff. But when she's in harness, she should not be seeking attention from other people. Now, if I allow people to pet her when she's in harness, then she can expect that in the future. So that's shaping her training. She has been trained to ignore other people except for me when she's in harness. So that is why if I allow people to pet her in harness, she gets confused. It has nothing to do with you. This is not a personal thing if I don't want you to touch my dog. It is reinforcing her training of only pay attention to me, Emily, when I'm in harness. And so that's her cue. As soon as I take that harness off... I am have the ability to let whoever pet her. So for instance, my interview with Paul Brown last week, um, we talked about, can he pet her? Because we are, you know, at what point do we have to become, at what point in our friendship am I allowed to pet Bevy? And I said, I wish it was a point of friendship because that would be great. But it's still just this confusing for bevy so it's not dependent on how good of a friend you are it's not dependent on how awesome you are or how not awesome you are it is all about her training so with that you also have to consider where you meet me and bevy so if we have never met before and you come over to our house for a barbecue Bevy's not in harness. So she's going to be a dog. You are able to pet her. You are able to throw the ball for her. You are able to, you know, call her and say, come here or whatever it is. She is a normal dog. Now, then the next day, let's say you were at my office and now Bevy is in harness. So this is the tricky part. People... Forget that they met her at home without harness and they called her and they were so excited to see her. And then they come to my office and then she's working and they're like, Oh, Bevy, come here, come here, come here. That can't happen. We have to have that strict line still. And so I have people that are probably listening to this podcast that did meet Bevy and got to throw the ball in the backyard and do all those things at home. And then they have to see her in public when she's working and they have to restrain themselves. From calling her, petting her, or really even looking at her, talking to her, getting her attention in any way, they have to avoid. And that is really hard for people. And I totally understand that as a dog lover, I want everybody to love her all the time. But I see immediate changes in her when I do that. And so I have to be really strict on that. Let's say you made a mistake and you said, oh, Bevy, come here. Hi, Bevy. Or you put your hand out for her to sniff. Guess who's going to get the correction? It's going to be Bevy. Bevy's the one, and I'm going to say leave it, or some people say ignore, some people say all different commands, but she is the one who's going to get in trouble for paying attention to you because she's the one who has to keep that clear boundary. Obviously, you do too, but I can't correct you. I can't smack you upside the head or anything like that. And say nope, she's working. So I have to correct Bevy. And when I put it in that terms, for a lot of people, people are like, no, no, don't, don't correct the dog. It's my fault. I'm sorry. Um, and so she's the one who gets the correction. This is the same thing for people when they're in the elevators with me. They want to say, oh, such a cute doggy, and then mmm, mmm, and they make all these noises and they put their hand out for her to smell. All of that is no. That's a no no because that's still getting her attention that's still attracting attention away from me onto you and that's not okay because what if we're walking down the street what if we're we need to get off the elevator and she's not listening to me now because she's distracted by you so any noises any oh she's so amazing and oh you're such a good puppy and all those things that happen that's a no no you want to pretend like the dog the animal whatever does not exist you want to address the person the human that's in the room and you can say you have a great dog there. You can talk to me, but you should not be talking to Bevy because that, she knows when you're talking to her. She's very smart, but we don't want to distract her. So, you, she should be basically invisible to you, and I know that's hard, everybody. I know that's really, really hard because when I see a dog, I immediately have to, uh, like, catch myself because I'm so used to saying, oh my gosh, look at that dog. And I was flying one time and I didn't bring Bevy because uh, she was sick. And so she had to stay home. And I saw another service animal at the airport. And I was like, oh, and I was like, stop it. But it was more because I was missing Bevy than it was because of the dog. And I had to catch myself. And I was like, oh, my gosh, a service dog. I miss Bevy. And I said it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm one of those people right now. Um, so any kind of attention towards a service animal is not okay. You can address the person, you can talk to the person, but it's also nice if you talk to the person and say, how are you? (laughs) Not just talk about your, my dog, because eventually it's just like, Bevy's the only thing that matters and sometimes I want to be talked to as a human as well. So that is number one about service animals. I already addressed the question about do they get to be dogs and yes, they absolutely get to be dogs. We allow them to have just as much fun. They need um, stress relieving exercise. They need everything a normal dog needs. Uh, it's just a matter of when they're off harness or out not working Uh, other dogs wear the service vests. That's also their cue that it's time to work. And a lot of times when we put on the harness or the vest, we say, you want to go work? We want to go work. We make it exciting. It's not like, oh, we got to go to work kind of like all of us, but we make it exciting for them. We make sure that they're enjoying it. And that's how we make sure that they are still able to work because at some point they do have to retire and that's a whole nother conversation. But when it starts causing them more stress to work than to be at home, that's when it's time for them to retire. I also forgot to mention at the beginning, I've got a question recently from a completely blind person, and they wanted to know what kind of dog Bevy was. So Bevy is a four year old German Shepherd. She is obviously female. She is a black and tan German shepherd. There are other um they're all black German shepherds and she is definitely more black than tan. Um her belly is tan and her whole back is black, and then her face is both black and tan mixed, and I'll have pictures on the Facebook page, Human is My Label, if you want to see more, Bevy, if you're able to see those pictures, and she's four years old. She turns five in January. It's very exciting, and so when it comes to her retiring, she will most likely be around eight. Eight, it's eight to ten usually, depending on the dog. And so at eight, I will be reapplying to Guiding Eyes, which is where I got her in New York. Uh, she'll hit age eight, and I will sign up because it does take about a year to get in line for a class, and especially when it's a German Shepherd. Most schools do not train German Shepherds anymore. Most guide schools do not train German Shepherds anymore they're mostly labs now in most of the local schools as well as New York. Um, I was the only graduating shepherd in my class of 15. So that gives you an idea. So I definitely have to get in. And it will probably take about a year to get a new dog. So you try to get on the list early. And then after the dogs retire, that's another question we got, What happens to these guide dogs after they retire? So, number one, every school has a list for people who want the retired guides. And so, if you think about it, if you've had dogs before, most dogs, well, some dogs live from, big dogs, let's say, live anywhere from 10 to 15. One of my labs was 16. So, you have a good another eight years of life, I mean, let's say, you know, five to eight years of life, that a dog could be a pet. And so a lot of people want these fabulously amazing trained dogs. And so there is a waiting list um, at all schools for retired guides. Then as Bevy's owner, I will have the option that when she's able to retire, if I'm able to keep her at home, then I can. If I have a family member who can take her so that I can still see her and be part of her life, then I can do that. And if I don't have those options, like if you don't have the ability to have two dogs in a house, because once you get your new dog and then you have Bevy or whoever your dog was, then you have two dogs. And so some apartment complexes, for instance, don't allow you to have a pet, uh, but you are allowed to have a service animal. So you can't have both. So if you're that situation and your family members can't take your dogs, um, the school, at least Guiding Eyes, will take them back and make sure they find a good home. A lot of the trainers end up with uh, an enormous amount of dogs. I think one of them had six dogs. And so they always find, at Guiding Eyes, they take take them back and find them a home, either from that retired list or if they are in-house. So, That's what happens to them when they retire with Bevy or with any dog, for that matter. So what's hard about having a guide dog and keeping them is they're used to being with you 24 hours a day. And then all of a sudden this new dog comes in. And you have to look at Bevy or whoever your dog is as you leave the house every morning with another dog. And that can be stressful for a dog. And it's hard for the person, too, because they've been your companion for, you know, anywhere from six to eight years or, yeah, somewhere in there. So that's those are the options for a retired dog. Now, I wanted to get back to some of the technical stuff about service animals and assistance animals, so, like I said, a lot of them have different rights, but what do you, as the listeners um, in a workplace, in public, in restaurants, what are your rights if you're especially a business owner? And there are two questions that you're allowed to ask, and that's only two questions you're allowed to ask. The first one is, is that a service animal? And the person just has to say yes or no. The second question is, what tasks are those, is that animal trained to perform. So, if that was for me, Bevy would be to guide me safely through the restaurant, uh, through a workplace, in the street, wherever. So, she's able to guide me and be, be my eyes. So, those are the only two questions you're legally allowed to ask anybody with a service animal, a guide dog, any kind of emotional support animal, any of those things. Now, what you're not allowed to ask, so you are not allowed to ask, um, the person what their disability is. You're not allowed to ask them to demonstrate those skills of the dog. So if I say she's, she's trained to guide me, you cannot say, well, show me. You are not allowed to request documentation. Now, I think, and this is total assumption, that this may change sometime soon. So the reason you're not allowed to ask documentation is because of the ADA, number one, uh, you're not allowed to ask those questions and there would have to be some kind of ID card required and disclosure of a disability. And that's not legal. But the piece about this that I think needs to change most definitely, and this is probably a lot of you as well, is the reason we're having such problems with this is because people are faking bringing their, you know, um, quote-unquote service animals or emotional support animals or whatever it is on airplanes, on, I know that rule recently changed, um, in public, in restaurants, all these things. They're trying to fake it, which is really, really ruining it for the rest of us because a lot of people don't trust that Bevy is my guide dog, especially since I still have some sight, So because people see me and they notice I can see something, they think I'm faking it and I just want to take my dog on the airplane or I just want to take my dog in the restaurant or I just want all those things. And it's really awkward, uncomfortable, annoying that I have to explain. I don't have to explain, but I have to get these questions constantly because so many people are faking it and um, not... And ruining it for those of us who do need service animals to navigate the world. Um, And so I do think the reason why they don't require documentation right now is because there are home training programs. I could have bought a German Shepherd and I could have trained her at home to be my guide dog. That is definitely a possibility. Or you can train a dog to be a diabetic um, alert dog. You can train any dogs to do s- these skills at home. And if they perform those and your doctor has a note and all the required um, expectations, there's a, that's a home certification program. But it's not, they don't always provide an ID card. I do have an ID card from Guiding Eyes in case people really get on your case about it but not everybody has one of those things. Um, I do think the ADA needs to figure out a way to regulate this a little bit better because it is getting so bad out there with people faking it. Um, and I think the federal aviation people did recently, um, change the rules. And so I'm not, I, I can't quote them right here on my off the top of my head, but I do think something needs to happen around this documentation, and I think people who even home train their animals, and do legitimately train their their um service or assistant animals, uh, do want a solution to this as well. It's the it's but it's sticky. It's very sticky with the ADA, and so they're trying to figure that out. So the last thing I want to wrap up with is talking about. When service animals are not allowed, and I mentioned this at the beginning, and this is reasonable accommodation, they are a reasonable accommodation, which means legitimate service animals like Bevy need to be reasonable, which means they need to be groomed, they need to be clean, they need to be well-behaved, they need to be um, nice, they don't need to be aggressive, all of these things, well-behaved. So, if I go into a restaurant, Bevy may be doing her job as a guide dog, but she may not be reasonable because I haven't taken care of her. I haven't brushed her out. Um, She stinks. She's not reasonably excessively uh, providing an accommodation. She's being nasty, and I'm allowing her to be nasty. This is the other thing about misbehaved whatever animals, if it's a service animal, emotional support animal, if they aren't well behaved, they can be asked to leave the premise. Now, this is, these are the things that you can ask as a, as a business owner, you can ask them to, um, if their dog is barking at a restaurant or, you know, attacking people, which I've seen all those things, the, 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 the animal can be asked to leave, but the person should still be able to access services or the food or whatever it is without the animal. And so this is a big piece that a lot of people will try to hold against people is that they're saying that their dog, they were asked to leave premise because of their dog. Well, if their dog stinks or their dog is nasty or their dog is barking or, and, and I don't just mean one bark because something startled the dog, cause that does happen too. But if they're, if they're continually misbehaving, that person can be, or that dog, that animal can be asked to leave the premise. And so that is something that people, handlers, guide handlers, uh, dog handlers, whatever it is, Don't understand and so you do have to take care of your animal You do have to make sure they're well-behaved if your dog is barking and attacking people You can be asked to leave with your dog um, Or your dog can be asked to leave that is allowed. It has to be reasonable It has to they have to be well-trained and people are trying to hold that against um, People trying to enforce those rules. So if you're a handler take care of your dog make sure they're groomed well Because, again, it all falls back on those of us who need our service animals and who are taking care of our service animals and do have well-behaved service animals. And it it reflects on all of us. So, with that, take care of your service animals, number one, handlers. Number two, people, ignore them. I know they're cute. I know they're wonderful. Look at them on Facebook. Look at them everywhere else. Uh, Love on them from a distance. And... Acknowledge the humans that are on the end of that leash, please. And when you make a friend, go to their house and you get to play with them all you want. Uh, And so if you have any other questions about service animals, please let me know. And check out our new Facebook page, Human is Our Label. I'm posting pictures of our guests. I'm posting all different um, uh, bios and and upcoming uh, episodes and all that good stuff take care and have a great week make it a good one everybody i know the times are hard but do the best you can get out and exercise take care of your body eat right and get after it make yourself better every day thank you so much for joining me here today at human is my label don't forget to subscribe share this with your friends families and co-workers Get out there, get comfortable with the uncomfortable, include everyone, and push yourself to be better every day. If you're interested in coaching or corporate training or learning more about RAPID, visit us at rapidorgan.org. That's rapidorego norg you can find me at emily.curry on Instagram, and all my other social handles are below. Have a great day, and can't wait to see you next week.